Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL Strategy Show Tournament Strategy Edition. Maybe even a little bit of uh, an on-the-contrary vibe to it. I know you're used to seeing Josh Engelman here along with Alex Baker, but we've decided let's give the guy a day off at NFL. He's doing a ton of NBA content, pre-produced NBA content. So what, we do, what do we do instead? Well, very simple solution. Bring on two of the best DFS players that you're going to find out there. Alex Baker at Awesome DFS and Steve Buzzard at Steve Buzzard on Twitter. You know him as the Colts across the DFS sites. I'm Dave Lochran on Twitter at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D. And by the way, apologies for going late here. Uh, we've got the NBA strategy show prior to this. It's a weird time uh, in the DFS world with the overlap, but we're going to make sure going forward that we're getting these right on time because well, make it fair to you. Anyway, Alex, what's going on, man? I'm much celebrating the return of league of legends tonight. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, excited for NFL wildcard weekend. Uh, I mean, it, it's always great to have two different chances to play a full NFL main slate in a week. So this will be twice as good as your average NFL weekend, if you ask me. And uh, Steve, well, we have six games. Pretty exciting. Has, I don't think this has ever happened before, right, in terms of playoff formatting, that we have – seven teams from each conference getting into the postseason. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think uh, it's going to make for a lot of good tournaments this weekend. You've got the six-game slate you can play. You've got two three-game slates, six showdowns, nonstop NFL fun, and lots of slates to uh, be able to win some big prizes. So can't wait to see what happens. Well, we're happy to have all of you guys with us. As always, hit that thumbs up, and more importantly, hit that subscribe button as well. We are at 
47,500. Man, 2,500 to go. Less than that, as a matter of fact, till we get to the 50K mark, making that push by Super Bowl. Going to do some big giveaways and all that great stuff, but that shouldn't be the main incentive. The incentive should be, if you like the show, uh, if you like the channel, if you like that we put out free content uh, on almost every hour of the day and pour our hearts and souls into this, well, and you think maybe we helped you along the way, win some money, change your process, you name it. Hit that subscribe, join that awesome community, and you'll always know when we go live. You'll show it. We'll show up on the recommended feed, the browse feature, all of that stuff more. And uh, you know, you can hang out with us more. What, what what else could we ask for? What else could you ask for? All right, so let's dive into this. Uh, Alex, I'll start with you. I want to get to the news. We'll start on the Saturday slate. Jared Goff questionable here. Sean McVay said that he's making progress, but we still haven't really seen him on the field. And, you know, this is a game that just from the jump, I look at as even though it has a 42 and a half point total, which is you know exceedingly low for 2021, feels like another game that goes under um, the the Seahawks have games have gone under, I think, in every game since week 10. Uh, the Rams have gone under in most games this season. Divisional matchups tend to trend towards the under as well. And now the Rams have a very, very good defense, top five in both run and, uh, and, and pass defense. But their pass offense and their offense in general could completely stall out if they're without Jared Goff. It just feels like this as a recipe to, lo- to go low scoring. But what are you doing right now, just from a tournament standpoint, with all of this uncertainty surrounding Jared Goff? Yeah, Jared Goff's injury is going to be really tough because the team is obviously keeping it pretty hush-hush. Who's going to start on Saturday, uh, tomorrow? So I think it's, it's really a tricky situation because – uh, if Goff starts, you might like guys like Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Cam Akers as good tournament plays. But if Wolford starts, they're probably going to run the ball more um, with him being a mobile quarterback. So that would hurt the production of the receivers. And then Cam Akers wouldn't get all those rushing attempts like he would otherwise. So that would really hurt all the Rams players. So. Man, I'm I'm at a loss at what to do here other than just maybe utilize late swap. Um, I'd be curious to hear, Steve, what your strategy is here with not knowing who the QB is. Yeah, I think it's it's a it is a really a tough situation. Um, I I think that uh, uh, the nice thing is you're going to have really good ownership on both uh, Wolford or Goff, whichever option it's going to be. I don't think uh, too many people are going to, one, be willing to make any swap up uh, uh, practices for them. And uh, also with the Q tag, I don't think people are going to be really willing to uh, take that chance on the front end. So I think you can get some really good um, ownership opportunities with uh, both of those guys. So they're not my favorite choices, but I, I definitely am going to, you know, you know, you could set some set in golf as your option. And then if you need to swap down to Wolford and, uh, you know, swap another guy here or there to make things work, I think that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, Steve, the Seahawks allowed 300 plus passing yards in nine, eight of their first nine games. They haven't allowed a 300 yard passing game in each of their last seven. Now, for being fair, they've placed a lot of inferior opponents. You're talking about their offense. But um, what are we like when you look at this Seahawks team? We're already talking about Jared Goff, Walford. Who knows what's going on there? The ownership likely going to be low. 
But the Seahawks on the other side of this one, what are we making of them right now with the complete almost transformation that we've seen over the past seven weeks? And I'm not willing to say it's a particularly good one. Yeah. um, I I don't know if they're just kind of been coasting in a little bit or if once it gets here into the playoffs, they're going to start to let Russ cook again. But um, it it is a little bit of a concern. Um, That said, you also see Wilson, uh, you know, at pretty low ownership as well. Um, the numbers that I, you know, that we have on the site are 13% is the last number I had on uh, Wilson. And that's pretty darn low for the upside that he has. I know there's a lot of uh, concerns, one, about him not passing as much. Like you mentioned, the fact that uh, uh, the Rams defense is pretty solid and the, that they're going to try to slow down the game with uh, their quarterback situation but i have no problems uh at that type of ownership given wilson another chance um and we know for a fact that metcalf and uh lockett can uh blow up any slate pretty much any time it's mostly been metcalf throughout the year so i don't have a problem uh getting pretty heavy on him but uh lockett you know he's been kind of under the radar and he's gonna get a little bit lower ownership although his it's interesting that um, Metcalf continues to be priced lower than Lockett. So that's a, an interesting fact as well. Yeah, Alex, it's pretty wild that the first half of the season, Seahawks games uh, had an average total of 64 points. Now they have an average of 39 points over their last eight games. So, look, I, yes, I, I'm expressing some concerns about this game being a, just a slog fest with no – not a slug fest, slog, if that's even a thing. But you know where I'm going with this. Uh, if that's the case, it, it does feel like one where you could just see a complete uh, void of offense. But there's only three games here. And, and Steve's talking about some low ownership that in tournaments could take you a long way. Where do you side on this one um, when it comes to just getting there because of low ownership or you know buying into the low ownership and, and trying to get elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, Seattle uh... – I'd say like three of these six teams on Saturday have pretty solid defenses, the Rams, Washington, and Tampa. So Seattle going up against one of the better ones, uh, that is a spot where it's going to be a little tougher for them to succeed. But, I mean, they got a ton of talent, and they have one of the tightest uh, rotations in the league at receiver. So, I mean, Lockett and Metcalf, that's pretty much all you're getting. For fantasy, that makes it really easy to like pinpoint – who to put in your lineup. Greg Olson is supposed to be coming back, so that really makes it tough to, to pick out a tight end from the Seahawks. Um, but, yeah, I think the stack is solid. And if I'm, I'm not exactly sure why Russ would be so well-owned, but uh, that looks pretty nice. Another spot, too, Steve, where you've got some questionable players is in Washington. Uh, Alex Smith, questionable to play, hasn't been practicing. He did play last week, and I know he's banged up a bit, but so is this entire team, at least offensively. It's weird, though, because you have Ron Rivera saying that they might go with a quarterback rotation against Tampa Bay in the playoffs. I don't know how much of of this is just, you know, nonsensical coach speak to – to throw Bruce Arians and company off. But 
it's a weird situation where Alex Smith is questionable, Antonio Gibson's questionable, but we expect him and McLaurin, who's also questionable, to play. I just don't know how many of these guys are going to be at full strength or even close to that in a game against Tampa where they're almost certainly going to have to put some points on the board to win. And by points, I mean you know more than 15 to 17 points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have to believe that uh, it, it's coach speak on this rotation uh, unless things really go, you know, haywire at the start of the game. I, even so, I'm not sure that there's really, you would say that uh, any of the backups there, uh, Allen or, or Heineke, um, you know, really are a, are a better comeback option for them. So, I got to believe that they're they're going with Alex Smith unless he just can't go at 100%. So his ownership is low as well, but I, I don't know that I see myself get into him as much as um, a low-owned Russell Wilson, for instance. Just um, Terry McLaurin, like you said, he, he's still questionable. Um, he came back last week, but he only played 81% of the snaps, which was a pretty big uh, decrease. He's also his... He only had 40 yards on eight targets, which was about 60% of his normal uh, production. So that's pretty uh, weak as well. That was a must-win game for them. So yeah, you're easy to easy to say, okay, you know, McLaurin's going to be 100%, and he's going to be playing all the snaps this week because it's the playoffs. But that was pretty much a playoff game for them uh, last week. So it, it is a concern for me there still. And even on top of that. Um, we've seen Alex Smith really prefer uh, the check down options to J.D. McKissick um, instead of uh, McLaurin as well. McKick, McKissick gets about 42% more targets per snap with uh, Alex Smith than he did with all the rest of the quarterbacks. So um, you might be able to take a shot on McKissick with his low ownership, but uh, uh, if you can't really stack Alex Smith with uh, McLaurin very safely, I, I don't think I'm really big favor of stacking up the rest of the passing offense. Yeah, Alex, I'm having a tough time with this game because as you'll hear us talk about a lot, there's only three games. So you can't, we can't be as picky as we were maybe last week where we had 15, right? And like people talk a lot about Doug Peterson and the Eagles tanking. What about Washington in that game? It sure as shit looked like they were trying to lose. And I'm not saying they were, right? We know they weren't. That was a that was an awful display of offensive football, and I don't know if they're healthy. And I, you know, if Tom Brady's thrown forty touchdowns this year, I'll try and get to the point. But I, I want to try and express this so you can answer in the best way possible. Tom Brady's thrown forty touchdowns this year. That offense is absolutely humming right now. I know it's in Washington. I know it's cold, but Brady has plenty of experience playing out there in the cold in Foxborough. Like, what what is our approach with? with the Washington football team, given so many of these, you know, external factors that make it so difficult to evaluate them this week. I feel pretty confident about maybe taking some shots. I I don't know if it's the best strategy this week because I mean, they are one of the teams that's projected to to not really put up many points uh, with this 18 team total, but uh, Alex Smith, it's not like Taylor Heineke played any snaps last week. So I don't know if I buy into that quarterback rotation. It sounds like Coach Speak, like Steve was saying. And then Terry McLaurin, although his snap count wasn't as high, he did run routes on 34 of 35 passing plays last week. 
they took him out for the running plays. So if he wasn't on the field, like you could be pretty sure what they were about to do. Um, hopefully with, with another six days to rest, he should be closer to full strength. But the high ankle sprains, I mean, those can be pretty damaging. Um, I mean, there's there's not really any guys that you can feel totally confident in on this slate, though. So I, I think that uh, taking some shots on Washington, if, if no one's going to be on, that makes sense. You know what one of my biggest concerns is, Alex? And it's not a concern about you know, a certain player, but it's a concern that I don't have a good read on this backfield. And here's what I mean, right? The Tampa Bay Bucks allowed 80.6 rushing yards per game this year. That was a league low by 10 full yards. That That's how good they were at preventing opposing rushing attacks from getting anything going for almost six, 16 straight weeks. It, if Antonio Gibson is healthy and comes in and he's over this turf toe, is he going to be the pass catching back and J.D. McKissick doesn't get as much opportunity or if Tampa Bay does fall behind, do we see J.D. McKissick continue to get the work? Because he was targeted eight times last week, but I think a lot of these big games from J.D. McKissick have been when Gibson was out or he wasn't playing or he was limited. Uh, and I feel like we might have to get something like that right. If they fall behind and J.D. McKissick gets peppered with targets, that could be a spot you might want to be on. I just don't know where to turn. Yeah, J.D. McKissick makes some sense. Uh I, I'm not totally uh, fading Antonio Gibson, though. He is uh, the number one guy rushing the ball. I mean, it's a tough matchup, but it's not like we haven't seen guys have success. I mean, Atlanta last week ran for 130 yards, it looks like, so that was pretty solid. Um, and we all know that it's a, he's a pretty explosive guy. J.D. McKissick is kind of their... Uh, come back and third down running back. So he, he also like seems to fit in with the potential game script here. So I think he's solid. Um, I don't have a strong lean one way or the other. Okay. I don't have some, I don't have any issues with cam Sims either. It's not a sexy pick whatsoever, but he's got more upside than Steven Sims. I don't know if McLaurin's at full strength and Kim Sims has played a hundred percent of snaps in back to back weeks. So you could certainly do worse than that. You know, Steve, on the other side of this game, it doesn't get much easier. We're projecting them for considerably more points, right? They have a 26.5 total to the Washington's 18.5 or 26.25 and 18.25, sorry. But there are so many options on this team. From Gronk, who has gotten in shape and looked much better, a downfield threat. Antonio Brown has looked better since he reemerged uh, in the NFL. Chris Godwin uh, and then Mike Evans had that nasty nasty um, hyperextension of his knee in the end zone, he's still questionable. He hasn't been ruled out for this game. So if he plays, is he going to be a decoy or is he going to be active? This is one that's, that's really tough too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for opening weekend of uh, playoffs, it's pretty amazing how many uh, big questionable players there are. But um, the the team has been tough all, all year to really peg who's going to be the – uh, big guy to get and Antonio Brown joining has made it no easier. Um, we, we're not seeing a huge amount of ownership on any of the wide receivers. Uh, Brown, Evans, and Godwin are all kind of in the same range. Uh, so, and they're not super high. So the, that's definitely an option to go to any of those. Actually looks like Gronkowski is in about the same range as well. So you could certainly uh, take a shot on any of those. If Evans is ruled out, which I don't, 
I'm guessing at this point we're not going to know because that's the uh, last game on the slate. And I, unless we get some uh, overnight news, I, I have a feeling that this is going to come down to then to, uh, to know and you're going to have to just take a shot uh, before lock. So what, what I would probably do is, you know, if you want to take on uh, some of the Mike Evans risk, you could certainly uh, swap to Antonio Brown afterwards. I think Antonio Brown would be, uh, one of the biggest beneficiaries of Evans not playing. Um, Antonio Brown did come up to 84% of the snaps last game uh, with uh, Evans only playing 16%. That was Antonio Brown's high for the season. So I think that he'll be a pretty uh, good benefit from that uh, opportunity. Also saw uh, Tyler Johnson tick up a little bit. So just – be careful to if you think Scotty Miller is going to get all the extra any extra work if uh, Mike Evans is out. I have a feeling that uh, Miller's time will still be pretty limited. So uh, I don't think I'm going to take any shots on Tyler Johnson, maybe in a, a showdown setting, but uh, uh, just watch that out for for Scotty Miller. But overall, I think I don't really love this Tampa Bay uh, passing game uh, at the end of the day. Um, even so. So I'll, I'll probably be about slightly under the field on those guys. Uh, and the major opportunity probably is with Mike Evans. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Who is probably worth taking a few shots on just because his ownership is going to be really low as the last, last game on the slate. Do you like the ground game, whether it be Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette against Washington as big time eight and a half point favorites? Yeah, I think Ronald Jones is pretty interesting. I'll have definitely have a fair amount of him. Unfortunately, we see him at uh, 42% ownership on our latest ownership run, which is one of the highest on this uh, Saturday slate. Um, one thing we have seen on uh, the this size of a slate, three-game slates, is you typically see the ownership get too high for the very top-end guys. So if, if you see the ownership for uh, the top one or two guys at every single position, more than likely you're only going to have two or three of those guys hit and pay off their value. So I'm often going to be fading those guys. Um, that said, Ronald Jones, I don't know that he's the one that I'm going to fade the most. I think Ronald Jones is a, is a pretty, uh, you know, pretty solid overall option for, for this, this team. And uh, if you're, going against all of the pe- folks that have uh, Tom Brady, uh, that might be a little bit of a leverage play as well. How do you dissect this uh, Tampa Bay team, Alex, with Mike 
Evans being questionable and his status, even if he plays or what capacity he'll be playing in is still unknown. Yeah, I think uh, you got to be pretty worried about it because the injury looked somewhat uh, serious. And then, like, there's no guarantee that um, they won't rush him back in a limited capacity. I mean, they are incredibly big favorites versus Washington, so maybe that would be part of the decision. But um, as Steve was saying, Antonio Brown was a clear beneficiary of the injury. He's been the one that's been targeted the most on the field when he's been on it. It's just the playing time hasn't been 100%. So now I think we got to bump up Antonio Brown, um, and he'd be kind of uh, my go-to target on this team, uh, given that Chris Godwin is is more expensive. Uh, one thing you could do in tournaments is just make sure you don't have Mike Evans and Antonio Brown in the same lineup then Antonio Brown's easy late swap from Mike Evans. He, Mike Evans is 6,500 on DraftKings, 7,600 on FanDuel. Antonio Brown's cheaper on both. So um, you could do that in Fantasy Cruncher by setting a rule that you don't have both of them in the same lineup. It's a great call. And even for hand building, right? Like if you're hand building lineups, just if you're, let's say you're, you're stacking uh, Tampa Bay, it's a great point, Alex, because from a fantasy cruncher standpoint, no question, it's easy. But from an overall theory, like a theory standpoint is you look at this Tampa team, there still are a lot of places that Brady can go to with the ball. So it's not like the only way to stack this team, maybe Minnesota, where you go Thielen and Jefferson. It's not like you're downgraded if Thielen is out and you have to go to Ola B.C. Johnson or something. Your downgrade from Evans is Antonio Brown. Yeah, you got to feel pretty confident about downgrading to Antonio Brown. Exactly. Yeah, Stephen, maybe maybe that's a way to approach this. Like, with with the quarterback position, it's a little bit different. You know, like you said, Wolford to, to Goff. I don't really have much interest in ta- Taylor Heineke. But um, with Tampa Bay, given their just wealth of options in the passing game, I think there are ways that we can get around this. And we're going to need to because it is the latest game on this slate, and all of them are spaced out by three to four hours each. Yeah, I think just making sure that you set up your your lineups appropriately is going to be a big thing. So it's a, it is a little bit tougher with um, uh, the quarterback position because a lot of times with the quarterback you are uh, tending to stack them with another player or two or three and their opponents. So um, so so it's really a, a, is a tough tougher thing with the quarterbacks, but uh, you can still switch those around too. So I, I think uh, you know. Even leaving, even if you're uh, building a lineup with Mike Evans and uh, want to swap to Antonio Brown, 6,500 to 6,100, for instance, on the the DraftKings numbers that we we said, um, you know, even leaving $400 on the table at the end of the day is not a big thing on a three-game slate. So I wouldn't even be uh, super worried about that factor. Steve, I've asked Alex this. I feel like every time we come in and we talk about a short slate. So let me ask you. Uh, just from a strategy standpoint, because this is, it's not on the contrary, it's a strategy show, but it's better to put it in this time slot anyway. Whenever we do on the contrary to normal slot at Friday, it gets lost in the mix. So we're, you know, taking a, a roundabout course here and, and trying to hit on everything we can. But from a strategic standpoint, when you have these short slates, on main slates, on bigger slates recently, we've seen running back wide receiver with no quarterback. Multiple weeks, we saw the same team running back wide receiver twice in the same line. 
So two two teams, two running back, wide receiver, no quarterback for either of them win it. We've seen a lot of weird stuff. And in these smaller slates, two to three game slates, we've seen, you know, Buffalo with six bills, five bills and bills defense. We've seen some crazy uh, builds and, and roster constructions win million dollars, millions of dollars over the past however many weeks we've had these slates. Do you look at them differently and that you're willing to uh, expand what you're, what you're willing to do? Maybe you, you don't set as, as hard of restrictions for how many players you play against the defense. Uh, what would your be, what would some recommendations be for people playing on these three game sites? Cause I know you've had a lot of success with showdowns in the smaller sites as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think that you have to really expand your, your horizon. So especially the, the defense are, Offensive players against your defense is a great example that you mentioned. So typically um, on a normal slate, you would limit that to zero and maybe one if it's, if it's the really the right situation, but on the smaller slate like this um, it's a very good chance that a defensive touchdown is what uh, ends up winning the game. And it doesn't even have to be a a good defensive performance, just a, a defensive touchdown. And that defensive touchdown could even force the opposing quarterback and opposing offense to uh, be a lot more aggressive, which makes them a good play as well. So um, I definitely have no problem playing two or even potentially three uh, offensive players against my uh, defense when it uh, comes to a slate this size. So that would probably be my biggest uh, thing that I would tell people to watch out for. Um, If you're going to – you know, a lineup builder, a lot of the times you may have your default set to uh, zero and that often will affect, um, you know, how people are going to build their lineups if they just even forget to uh, change that. Or even if you're hand building, you're just getting the habit of uh, setting, setting up and saying, what, I can't choose the, uh, the Colts defense if I'm playing, you know, Josh Allen or something like that. So um, definitely take that into consideration. Sure. And game flows are weird, Alex. We've seen we've seen spots where a defense will grab a pick six and get a bunch of turnovers early in the game, and the opponent has to f- play catch-up. So your defense finishes with 15 points. They still allow 28, and the two guys that you played against them end up going off. Definitely, yeah. I think uh, uh, there's a pretty good chance that no defense really excels, too. So. Right. It, it might not even matter that much which defense you have and how many offensive players there are versus them. Uh, one of my short slate strategies, I think um, there's some hesitance in a large slate to stack your QB with the running back from the same team because like people are hoping for these shootouts where there are a ton of passing attempts. But one thing that will happen in the short slates is that a team – the the opposing team just doesn't get much going there aren't very many plays that leads to the the leading team to have a lot more plays and usually what happens is they'll run up a lead and then they'll start running the ball more so i think stacking up your quarterback with a f- two to three receivers and the running back is not a bad strategy sure thanksgiving day wasn't deshaun watson duke johnson uh the winner on the millie maker I, think oh, yeah, so. I can't remember. Yeah, Don't I think I think it was. Yeah, nice. Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, uh, on the Saturday Night Football a few weeks ago. Yeah, there's there's myriad examples of that being the case. So great stuff from both of you. And um, I, I think pricing is 
is a lot softer this week too, where if you wanted, if you're playing the quarterback, it's not like it's hard to get a running back and a bunch of wide receivers on the same team in there anyway. So uh, let's close it out with Indy and Buffalo. Then we'll talk Sunday slate, Steve, the Indianapolis Colts are six and a half point dogs and Buffalo. I know six and a half points is a decent amount for a, a good Colts team. Sorry. It's six now. So it's 51 point total. I got to tell you, we're going to give our top bets from or at the end of the show. And as we used to do, or as we usually do on On the Contrary, we'll steal a little of that for this one, take a little inspiration. We'll do our top pivots and our top fades of the week. But I still like Buffalo here. The, the off, until you can show me that this offense can be slowed down, I'm going to assume that they can't. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on the Bills right now? They've got a couple questionable players, Stefan Diggs, um, has been limited. I don't see any reason why he's not going to play. Uh, and then Cole Beasley is questionable as well with that knee. I saw someone saying he was out in chat, but I didn't see that yet. Is he out? I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it either. So anyway, Steve, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on the Bills this week? Yeah, I, I haven't uh, seen Beasley out either, but that could be news if he is. Um, my, my assumption is that he will be out but I just haven't seen it as official. Um, so so the, the thing I mentioned earlier, you have to be really weary of the very top-owned players, and Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are the uh, top-owned players at uh, quarterback and wide receiver. So I'd be really careful about those two. That said, they are the best uh, values on the slate. Um, and if you are going to play them, which I would recommend if you're playing something like three lineups, I'd probably play those guys in at least one of those three and maybe even two. But if you are playing those two guys together, uh, you got to be very different other places. That means not playing Chris Carson. That means not playing uh, Ronald Jones. Uh, you, you're going to have to do something a little bit different in order to set yourself apart because uh, the ownership for those these two guys are going to be uh, really high. So I think um, I will be taking some shots. I do uh, think that you should be taking those shots. I, I think the Colts defense is good, but um, you know Josh Allen and Diggs I think are a, a pretty uh, dynamic duo that is going to be um, you know raw points. They're going to be pretty tough to to beat in most cases. And then on top of that, you even have John Brown, especially if. Uh, Cole Beasley is going to miss John Brown coming back from uh, his injury. Um, I don't recall how many snaps he ended up with last week, but um, you know, he had a pretty, uh, he, he was pretty involved. Uh, they kept the offense in the, in the 47%, game. Long. Steve. What was that? 47%. Okay. Yep. So that, that's not too bad for his first game back in that game that they only played um you know not the whole game with the starters but the starters <laughs> did all, all the work in that uh in that amount of time so i, I think he's also going to be a really good option uh, as well so you could very easily stock stack up allen Diggs, and brown and even isaiah mckenzie if uh cole beasley is out i think i wouldn't put him in uh you know probably in my two or three lineups but if i was multi-mass entering I, I would definitely consider him. I had him in a few of my lineups uh, last week until I, they, we got all that news that uh, 
the the main offense was going to play the whole game and I backed them out and unfortunately that was a bad bad choice as he blew up so I think he's going to be heavily involved as well if um, uh, Beasley doesn't play certainly Gabriel Davis will be as well too so um, you, you have a lot of options for that um, that Bills offense and uh, the passing game in particular I'm not as excited about the uh, the running game, though, that's going to be low owned, so it could be a contrarian play if you want to get some leverage by taking on one of those guys. But um, I, I think the the chance of them really crushing is is not as high. Are you buying into the Bills this week, Alex? Because we know this game is going to be super popular, given the two crappy, not bad games, but two lower projected scoring games that we just hit on. Definitely, Buffalo's passing offense has been incredible this year. Um, and to top it off, uh, they, they don't run the ball very often, only 38% of the time. So when Buffalo does score, it's more likely to be through the air. So that gives you a lot of confidence in these guys. I mean, Colts defense is solid. Um, so the matchup's not really a huge factor. It's kind of baseline being so high. And Cole Beasley, although, yeah, there's some chance he's out. Man, he's been having a monster season, catching 75% of his passes, getting targeted a ton. So people are going to be off him because of the questionable tag. Like, that could be an interesting contrarian play. And then if he's out, you know, you can just swap to John Brown. Are you at all interested in the in the ground game? The Colts, as I mentioned, Tampa Bay allowing only 80 yards per game on the ground. The Colts allowing 90 yards per game with the second lowest yards per carry on the season. And Buffalo doesn't really like to run the football to begin with. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, they might be trap plays because people, obviously, they like the Bills, but the the rushing attempts are split, and there just aren't that many of them to begin with. So uh, probably fades for me, but what do you guys think? Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I think the the biggest the biggest opportunity is just a game theory perspective. You got uh, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs as huge ownerships, um, and both Singletary and Moss coming in uh, below ten percent. So um, that that's your best option. Uh, but you know, and and their prices are low too, so you could uh, get in some really great uh, options elsewhere. Plus all the uh, chalk, but overall, I, I don't think it's a super exciting option. Alex, the Colts have a or the Bills have a solid pass defense, but again, a total easily the highest total on the slate. There's a good possibility that if Josh Allen and company continue to obliterate opposing defenses or at least put up enough points. Indy's going to have to fight back through the air. Jonathan Taylor's getting a lot of opportunity. He's been great lately to close out his rookie campaign. But T.Y. Hilton's look pretty good, too. And while Phillip Rivers has not proven that he has a high ceiling in the fantasy space, do we have interest in getting to some Rivers stacks uh, and then running it back with a couple of Buffalo options and hoping that, you know, that, that Indy has to throw enough to make a difference and, and ends up, you know, cheap Phillip Rivers ends up getting us enough elsewhere to make it work? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the Colts stack is pretty intriguing. Uh, they throw out about an average rate, so pretty good. And then their efficiency, although, like, we haven't seen too many Rivers, like, GPP takedowns, he has averaged 7.7 yards per attempt, which is solidly above average. So I think that uh, that gives you encouragement for stacking. But then 
Uh, the targets are pretty split between the different positions. Um, so, like, Hilton, Pittman, and Pascal, although they're getting all the snaps at wide receiver, the number of targets for each one isn't isn't so exciting. So, there's a little bit of a crapshoot trying to guess who's going to get the receiving yards this week. Okay. Um, Kevin Stadler, $5 super chat. <laughs> Thanks, brother. He says... Steve, do you think using the boost function on the higher total games might be even more important in this wild card weekend context? Using the, the boost is more important. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like, is that that's like the boost a player if one one player is used in the lineup uh, type thing? I think it is the boost function just to to boost specific players in a certain game, right? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, oh, overall, I think you should be stacking more often together if, if that's the uh, the main question there. So I think, uh, you know, typically I stack quite a bit in a, in a normal slate, but on a smaller slate, you're really hoping for just uh, uh, one or two games really to, to blow up and then uh, one game to kind of bomb and then you're, you're in a good spot. So overall, I would tend to more likely uh, stack heavier. Okay. Um, so, Steve, let me stick with you for a second here. The Colts have a good ground attack. They have a pretty good defense, and the passing game is kind of weak, but Michael Pittman's cheap. T.Y. Hilton's pretty cheap. What are you doing with their passing game? Yeah, I, I, I got to go to uh, my man, T.Y. Hilton. I, I was on the T.Y. Hilton train when no one liked him, and everyone said he was dust. Now everyone loves him. Uh, but uh, – you know, he, his popularity is, is pretty high. Um, even so, I think he's a really good run back uh, with uh, uh, Josh Allen and the the passing game. So that will be one of my favorite stacks for this slate. Um, I don't love Philip Rivers as much. Uh, what we all, often have been seeing is Jacoby Brissett coming in for uh, vulturing any really short touchdowns. Um, and then... Uh, um, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think that you also see uh, the the running backs, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, involved pretty often uh, as they get in the red zone as well. So pretty pretty low on Phillip Rivers in general um, and would rather take the uh, Colts receivers as kind of run back options instead of stack with Rivers. Okay. Uh, I'll say too, if Cole Beasley does sit, I think you could see more uh, Isaiah McKenzie. He saw a lot of opportunity out of the slot last week. 
But I also don't know how much maybe if they're all playing a full game as they didn't last week, maybe you see Diggs running more routes out of the slot, getting more snaps out of the slot, and just having Gabriel Davis and John Brown outside. I, I don't know, honestly. But uh, I would assume that McKenzie could be fine. Uh, and then, Alex, one more thing. Just the to close this game out and this slate out with Naeem Hines, he's he's probably someone that in a game if they're playing from behind, and of course we're trying to predict game script here which can be very difficult probably gets worked in quite a bit and would be a lot more valuable than if this game is lower scoring and and sees a you know a lower scoring closer game yeah Naheem Hines is uh he's a tricky guy to pin down because he's had such big games a lot of them were when Taylor was out but I mean the talent is really solid uh, when he is on the field he's been really good so Probably not my favorite option because it seems like Jonathan Taylor has got a stranglehold over, I guess not a stranglehold, but he's getting a, a solid majority of the rushing attempts. Um, so that makes it a little bit tougher to, to nail down when you should have Hines. Okay. Anything else on this game, uh, Steve, just given that it's going to be a, an extremely popular one for this week? Uh, I don't think so. Pro- probably I'm going to be underweight on Jonathan Taylor. He's another popular guy. Um, that's not really worked for me quite a bit this year, but uh, probably give it another shot. All right. My final thoughts on this slate, because we're going to take it over to the Sunday slate, uh, is Cam Akers plays. I expect another massive workload from him. I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. Uh, I only throw that out there because he was coming off that high ankle sprain and it was like one week removed from what should be a six-week injury, but he practiced fully. So I'm like, he's going to play, and if that's the case, uh, we could be in business just because he's been targeted a little bit more recently too. The workload's been through the roof, and Malcolm Brown has seriously fallen out of favor. Uh, and then I think we hit on everything else for this one. Alex, any closing thoughts on this Saturday slate? I think uh, this one's intriguing because we got some of these late swap situations. So um, keep that in mind when you're building your lineups. And then, uh, I mean, it's hard to say that, like, you can't stack any of these teams. They all look somewhat reasonable, so it should be a lot of fun. But uh, I guess the core principles, just make sure you got a couple of contrarian plays in there. Make sure you do the stacking and then, um, with stacking, I I might not force a run back this week. I think on the short slice, um, there's a good possibility that one team will just kind of dominate the game and be the winning stack. Okay. One up, one to go. Before we do, though, guys, you see it at the bottom of the screen. 21 days of Awesome Plus for $20. It's the New Year promotion we're doing, and it's a huge one. It's everything on the site from the top stack tool, from the boomer bust tool, more importantly, the player projections, the ownership projections, the lineup builder, all of these built by Alex Baker, Osimo himself, tools that he uses as well. We don't just you know throw a name on them and say, oh, this is what they are. No, these are the real deal. These have helped a lot of people win a lot of money, uh, including these guys. So we'd love to have you come check it out. $21, get your 21 days for $20, everything on the site. If you have questions, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Lafayette underscore D. My DMs are open. Go to awesomeo.com slash promos. And while you're at it, if you are interested in making, because this is an investment, right? This is an investment that you're making. And if you're looking to do a longer-term investment, we're doing 20% off the entire year 
for everything on the site. If you use the promo code HAPPY, H-A-P-P-Y, that gets you everything off on the entire site, 20, 20% off everything on the entire site for a full calendar year, and you can add the Fantasy Cruncher uh, add-on to that as well. So check both of them out. If you haven't been over to awesomeo.com yet, we got some great free content, but our premium stuff is the best in the industry, the preeminent tools and content that you're going to find in the DFS space. So check it out. Hit us up if you have any questions. 2021 gets you 21 days for $20. Happy gets you 20% off everything on the site for the full calendar year. All right. Eric says, I'm going to slide into those DMs. Long as you got something, long as you got something relevant to say, I got you, brother. All right, Sunday slate, Steve. I'll go to you first. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing to me here is Alvin Kamara is going to play. We know that that was pretty significant. If he played Saturday, he would not have been able to play. Uh, AJ Brown didn't practice yesterday, so who knows what the hell's going on there. Allen Robinson didn't practice yesterday either. Like these are some big time players. Juju Smith Schuster didn't practice yesterday dealing with that knee. Uh, Robinson's dealing with a hamstring, which can really wear on you. And AJ Brown's got the hand uh, and and knee injury. Maybe they're going to play. Maybe they're just getting a day off, but it seems kind of strange. So close to, you know, the biggest game of the season for these guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think over, overall, it's uh, it is pretty surprising that they're. I think it's the same same thing we're seeing on on the other slate that uh, the number of injuries uh, at this point of the season in the, in the playoffs is, is pretty unusual. So, I think it, it's going to open up some uh, opportunities uh, for you, especially if you're playing the the double slate uh, Saturday and Sunday uh, for late swapping. There's going to be people that are going to be very uh, hesitant to play any of these guys that aren't. Um, you know, aren't out there on practice at the end of the week. Um, that is just how it is. People are very hesitant to play those guys, and and rightfully so. You don't want to, uh, you know, be left with without anyone in your lineup. Uh, so so I think that's a good way to uh, strategize the slate, just like last one is. Uh, make sure that you're planning appropriately and uh, taking some shots on those guys that are questionable. Uh, but having a backup plan in case that doesn't work out. Well, Alex, one player that will be active and hasn't been active for the majority of the season is Michael Thomas. And his ownership has come up throughout the week. I was surprised by where it was at earlier, but now you've got it all the way up to 41% on DraftKings. We do have Sunday ownership at awesomeo.com. It's been posted under the Sunday slate. So now Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are two and three respectively in projected ownership for this slate. Very interesting Saints team when he gets healthy. Yeah, I think uh, Michael Thomas, when he's been healthy, has been pretty productive. And especially like when Taysom Hill was quarterback, he seemed to excel when the rest of the team was struggling. So I think the three-week absence, I think, was mostly just <laughs> – to make sure he's ready for the playoffs. So I'm not really making much of the fact that he missed those three games. That was maintenance for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if people are a little bit worried because he hasn't played in a while, he makes a lot of sense as someone that should be targeted a good amount um, in this offense. And uh, it does hurt Camara a little bit that uh, Camara seemed to get like a million targets in the games that Thomas missed, um, but still a fantastic play. Yeah, Steve, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas, again, very high ownership. Michael Thomas, the reason for this is if he was, let's say he was 
the same price as um, another top receiver on this. Like if he was really, there's no top, top price receiver, but if he was up in that, um, that same range is like the DK Mac, well, actually Metcalf's not very expensive either. You know where I'm going. If he was an expensive receiver, like he was last year, for example, there's a better way to put it. Then I think he, his ownership will be way down because he, he hasn't done much this year, but this is still a guy that had 1700 plus yards and like 140 receptions last season at $6,300 against the bears as a 10 and a half point favorite. Yeah, at uh, 6,300 on DraftKings, 6,800 on uh, FanDuel. You know, this is a guy that last year, to your point, was normally around 9,000 or, or more. So uh, he's a great value. Uh, he rates out as uh, the top value on my uh, value rankings for the week. So certainly am a big fan of uh, taking some shots on him. I think that, uh, you know, Drew Brees is going to be looking for him consistently. Uh, throughout the game, I think he's also also looking for Kamara as well. So so they're going to be battling each other out uh, for those looks. But uh, I think we kind of could see the the same uh, New Orleans team that we've seen in the past, where Drew Brees can very effectively hit uh, Kamara and Thomas with some of their uh, short passes and uh, move the ball pretty well. So you're not going to get any type of ownership discounts. Uh, Thomas and Kamara are both. Uh, very highly owned so that's not going to do you any favors and if you take a shot with them you're going to have to uh, be different elsewhere but uh, yeah I think uh, I think it's a pretty good idea to uh, stack up Michael Thomas especially if you're only playing a couple of lineups I think uh, Breeze and Thomas is a good place to start if you are um, trying to get really different you know I think Emmanuel Sanders is a is a good thing. So we are assuming that Michael Thomas is uh, all the way back. And I tend to agree that that's the case, but there is a possibility that, uh, that he's not. And uh, also uh, we know that Kamara is going to get a lot of ownership coming off of his uh, six touchdown game. So if Emmanuel Sanders is the one that actually uh, scores a couple of touchdowns at a super low price, he could be the guy that, uh, garners all the leverage and really uh, kind of shifts the shape shape of the uh, slate. Last year in the first round of the postseason, Michael Thomas was $9,300. This is not exactly a situation where he's fallen off a cliff and he stinks now. I know Drew Brees isn't necessarily the same, but Thomas doesn't rely on the deep ball anyway. So to me, it just seems like an insane price, but I, I like that just a, a contrarian view at, at an Emmanuel Sanders player, somebody else, because the Thomas and Kamara ownership is absurdly high right now, although it does make a lot of sense. Um, Alex, the again, that very popular Alvin Kamara is going to keep Derrick Henry from going through the roof. Last year, we saw him come out there in that divisional game against a Baltimore team that had a bye week, and he racked up ridiculous numbers basically all of tennessee's offense in the first two rounds of the playoffs like 68 70 percent were all on the back of derrick henry he's around 35 percent projected ownership to kamara's 50 percent and he's 700 dollars more than alvin kamara which is another reason he's not the same do we go back there to the same matchup that he annihilated last year coming off now a 2000 yard season uh, or does Derrick Henry concern you without pass catching ability at a nine K plus salary? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, they're pretty comparable uh, because although Henry doesn't catch passes, I mean, Kamara doesn't get all the rushing attempts. So uh, it's kind of a wash there. Uh, Henry's been having a fantastic season. I mean, will this game set up well for running the ball 30 times? That's a big question mark, I think. Um, But if they do win this game or it's competitive for most of it, Henry's in a really good spot. Um, But I do feel like he's been getting quite lucky with uh, his fantasy scoring. I mean, if you break down the 2,000 yards in the 16 games, I mean, that's like 125 per game, I think. So, I mean, that's fantastic. But 125 yards is, I mean, that's only equaling about 20 fantasy points. Um, So, I guess... uh, yeah, about 20 on DraftKings, so that isn't anything that's going to make or break your day if if he doesn't have a uh, a day where he overperforms again. Yeah, the 100-yard bonus is certainly helpful, but um, yeah, I see what you're saying for sure. Steve, the whole Tennessee Titans team has been interesting all year to me because you have Derrick Henry, and then you have an underrated offense that can put up some pretty explosive games uh, with Tannehill's arm, with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, even guys like Janu Smith, they do have some some weapons. It's not just the Derrick Henry-led Tennessee Titans. They, when forced to throw or even when not forced to throw, can make it happen. And Ryan Tannehill has proven that this man can use his legs as well. He had multiple touchdown rushing touchdown games just a few weeks ago. Yeah, so, uh, so, so exactly how Alex was saying, you know, all these things could go right just so that Derrick Henry doesn't blow up the slate. Unfortunately, we've seen him blow up the slate time and time again <laughs> this year. He's, uh, he, I think he single-handedly uh, cost me a, probably a new house this year with uh, how, <laughs> how much uh, money he's lost me by fading him week in and week out. But uh, I, I think I'm going to have to try it again, um, and hopefully this is the week. I'm, I'm holding you to this one, Alex, that he's not going to blow up the slate. <laughs> but um, uh I would rather take a shot at fading Henry again um, and instead, you know, taking a shot on the passing game. All, all the uh, things that you're saying about the the passing game, I think, are really uh, solid. I think A.J. Brown, uh, his ownership is quite low. Um, actually, it looks like it's ticking up a little bit right now versus what it was earlier in the week. But um, I think he's a pretty good option, especially if people are going to be off of him a little bit because of uh, – uh, that questionable tag and not uh, not practicing the last few weeks that might bring his ownership back down. So I do like that. Corey Davis has kind of slid under the radar a little bit. We always hear about AJ Brown because he's kind of the uh, the favorite of everybody, but Corey Davis has had just as good or better year than AJ Brown. So I like both of those guys um, in in a stack, especially as kind of run back options with uh, the Baltimore side. What about the passing attack for you, Alex? Yeah, I mean, they've been really great when they get the attempts. So if you don't have Henry, you're assuming that they do pass the ball at a higher rate potentially. So that makes sense. Uh, Probably not a team where you play Henry and A.J. Brown, but I guess that could work. But um, the passing, I mean, they've only passed the ball about 48% of the time at neutral game scripts. So the game script can easily get away from Tannehill and Brown and Davis, but uh, if it doesn't, then they look like really good plays. 
What about on the other side with Baltimore? Mark Andrews, I was really surprised to see that his ownership was higher than anyone else, projected for any higher than anyone else on this entire slate, Alex. It's 60% over we're using our awesome.com ownership projections. That is very, very high. Um, but the Tennessee Titans defense has just been an absolute sieve this season. And the amount of high-scoring games you've seen, it's absurd. Last week, 79, 54, uh, 71. I'm just going in order. I'm not even picking these games out. They're, they have been in some wildly high-scoring affairs, which you know really benefits their opposition. And this week, that could be the Baltimore Ravens. Definitely. Uh, it is a little jarring to see Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews be like the slight shock. Um, so I'm not exactly sure like how that's possible, but uh, it does look like Mark Andrews. I mean, he's by far the best tight end on the slate when you're comparing him to guys like Jonu Smith and Ebron. So, and he, the price tag doesn't break the bank either at 5,200. On a short slate, that's pretty easy to afford. So he, he looks like a great play, but if this ownership's close to 60%, that's a big red flag. Steve, what about you? Baltimore, high total, should be a relatively high-scoring game. 54.5-point total is by far the highest of any game happening on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, I think um, Mark Andrews, if he does, if his ownership does stay up that high, he gets into that fade territory and you just kind of hope that one of those other cheap options uh, scores or you need uh, your money elsewhere. But in general, I think um, hopefully it'll come down a little bit and, and we can take some shots on him because there is a pretty big gap on his raw points versus uh, versus the other tight ends on the slate. So, so I would like to go to him if possible, but just keep in mind his ownership uh, could get out of control. Uh Lamar Jackson, I think, is is definitely uh, the the best uh, overall quarterback option on this this slate. Um, you know, talked about Drew Brees is a pretty good option. Lamar Jackson, I think, is the only one that will top him. But uh, overall, I think the ownerships are pretty good on on the uh, quarterbacks. So I don't have a super huge lean that one is like a super uh, great play over overall. But uh, Lamar Jackson would be my favorite. Um, and you could stack them up with Mark Andrews. You could stack them up with another the other high owned Marquise Brown, like you said. Uh, it just doesn't feel great because those guys haven't had uh, super stellar years. And if you've uh, seen on the screen, Tyler Zander producing today's show, bringing up our Odd Shopper game pages, they are sweet. Uh, they have everything you need from a sports betting standpoint, and it's entirely free. It's oddshopper.osmo.com, or just go to osmo.com. You'll see the Odd Shopper uh, at the top that you can click on, and it'll take you there. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everything, right, from from... The the total, the the sides, the the money line, but not just that. Where the action is, where the money's coming in on, where the majority of bets are coming in on, all of your relevant stats, all of your relevant injury news. So 
you know, you might not be a big sports better, right? Maybe your state, it's not legal and you don't want to go over to, you know, one of these unscrupulous sites, but you can use it for DFS too. You can use it for whatever you want and it's entirely free. Tyler, click on one of those game pages just so I can pull that up one more time. Uh, the, they, they have essentially everything. Now, there you go. Look, just the direction of the money line, where the money's going, where the point spread is, where the public money is, uh, everything. You know, everything's right there. It's awesome. Uh, win, uh, win, so win likelihood that they're going to win everything. I don't know, Alex. If, if you're if you're a better or you're even for DFS, there's there's nothing on this page right here that that that's not going to help you get where you need to go. Definitely, yeah. I think it's really interesting, like some of the stuff on the game page. Like you can see like how much money and how what percent of bets are going on each side as a better. Like that's huge because you kind of like market value kind of shapes the lines and where they are. So if 80% of people are betting on one side, it might make sense to take a little contrarian approach in the sports betting too. All right. So fellas, we're almost there and we've got about one more to go here and then we'll get some final thoughts. Yeah. Let me do this first, Steve, because we didn't really hit on them much. The bears, uh, the bears. Is there anything here that, gives you even remote confidence that they can keep this game competitive because that's going to dictate how this flows and, and who ends up being good options, whether it's Montgomery Robinson, if he plays or even Trubisky against a pretty terrifying new Orleans defense. Yeah, I think they can keep it close. Um, so, so I think that's definitely something um, I, I do worry that uh, a little bit Darnell Mooney, I think is also another guy that could potentially sit. So, um, so if, if Robinson and or Mooney both, <laughs> uh, sit, it, it could really, uh, open up the passing game, uh, options to Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, uh, then maybe they wouldn't, wouldn't be able to keep it so close. But, uh, I, I think that, uh, with big play, uh, opportunities that Allen Robinson offers, um, David Montgomery has been, uh, really good, uh, throughout the year. Uh, he came in as a guy that I loved at the beginning of the year. He's gained so much popularity throughout the year. He's a little bit overowned every week nowadays, but uh, he continues to do well despite that. So I, I think that uh, all the plays of the, the Bears are not my favorite plays on because I've talked about a lot of them already on the games we've talked about, but uh, I, I do think that sprinkling in some Bears into your uh, game plans is, is pretty good because I think the Saints can score some points and the Bears will try to keep up. Alex? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can't love the Bears' chances of winning the game, but the chances of them getting a ton of passing attempts for for Allen Robinson are pretty good because the Bears are already a pass-first team, and then you put them in a, a game where they're 10-point dogs. So I think that we could see big passing volume. David Montgomery, That's a, <laughs> it's a bit of a red flag, I'd say, that they're 10-point dogs, but you can get it done receiving, too, to some extent. But he's been on an incredible run, so not really trying to chase those performances, I guess. So Allen Robinson is probably the standout play. Um, and then if Darnell Mooney sits, that, that could open up some more value with maybe like an Anthony Miller. Okay. And we know that after Tariq Cohen went down in, in week three, David Montgomery hasn't just been the feature back on the ground, but He's ran 330 or 344 routes over that span. 
That's a pretty nice number, if you ask me. Now, weeks four through 16, I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. That's what uh, – that's a lot of rounds. What was that, like 28 rounds per game? That's a ton. So uh, Montgomery is your feature pass catching back as well. We'll feature back in all phases, which makes me feel a little bit better about him if you wanted to get there because I think he's involved no matter what, and there's no chance he gets phased out of this game. 6,900 with the way he's been playing. I'm okay to get there. Uh, Steve, Pittsburgh is another scenario where I look at this Steelers team and I see James Conner and a, and, a, and a team that wants to run but just has such an inferior run game that they haven't been able to do it. I, this week, this probably in a divisional matchup is a high likelihood that we have a low-scoring game. 47-point total is kind of right in the middle. Bears or uh, Steelers are six point favorites, but I want to start with James Conner and just kind of get your feel for where you go with the guy whose price is, has bottomed out to start the season or postseason. Yeah, so Conner has been, you know, really a, a major disappointment for season long players, especially in the second half of the season. Um, but I, I like this spot, especially where his ownership is right now. Uh, for him, I think they've been, you know, really kind of resting him as they kind of w- waited out at the end of the year. They got out to that really hot start and they've kind of fizzled down the end. But I think it's kind of been a little bit of a take their uh, foot off the pedal type thing. Unfortunately, they took it off a little bit too much because now they're playing uh, the first week of the season uh, or of the playoff season. So. Uh, I think that was a little bit of a mistake. But I, I do think that uh, given where James Conner's price is now, he's all the way uh, you know, down at 5000 on DraftKings. His ownership is still not high because of uh, how poor he's been playing and the Pittsburgh Steelers in general have been playing. But uh, I think that gives you a good chance to get some leverage off of uh, these other guys uh, on the slate that are, are going to be quite high-owned, uh, like Derrick Henry, for instance. So, I like uh, giving him a shot uh, pretty well, actually. Tommy Lasorda just died, by the way. That's a tough one. 93 years old. Hall of Fame baseball manager. Um, Alex, your thoughts on on the Steelers and and Browns game? We got people in chat saying they think it's going to be higher scoring. Might be. The Steelers are a team I love to target uh, for stacking because – they just throw they don't run the ball very often they've only run at 35 percent in neutral game scripts so when they do get it done it's usually through the air their efficiency is very bad roethlisberger's only averaged like 6.3 yards per attempt i mean i guess a lot of that's just because they're trying to just take those short throws and just move the ball by, by a lot of short passes but that can equal big performances for guys like Deontay Johnson, Claypool, and Juju. So I, th- I think uh, they could be a sneaky stack. Okay. Um, then I'll go back to you for a second, Steve, before we wrap this up. The the passing attack has been an interesting one for the Steelers because, well, Ben Roethlisberger's yards per attempt is nothing to get excited about. They just throw the ball so damn much that it ends up resulting in some pretty big games for guys like Deontay Johnson, whether it's Chase Claypool. He's been a little less impressive lately, but Juju Smith-Schuster. Eric Ebron went on a run there where the guy was being targeted like nine times a game for seven straight weeks, and he's off the COVID-19 list. It does feel like every any chance I get on a small slate to at least have a little bit of exposure to a Pittsburgh stack 
makes sense, not because I have amazing or great faith in their passing attack, but because I know they're going to usually be forced to throw the football. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the other thing that's really um, interesting about the Steelers is they are all all those pass catchers could really blow up the slate at any time because they are pretty explosive, right? So, um, and you're getting them at low ownerships because pretty much uh, it's tough it's tough to know which one is going to uh, really blow up. So, um, all of uh, those guys uh, shoot. Juju, Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Ebron, they're all kind of in the mid-tier of ownerships, maybe even a little bit on the lower end. And any of them could, you know, pretty much blow up the slate because they have that big play uh, capability, uh, whether it's after the catch type plays uh, primarily uh, or, or potentially every now and then they could have a, a big deep throw. But primarily they all are, are quick and have that uh, after the catch type capability if i had to choose one i'm probably leaning slightly toward deontay johnson he's been the close um, most consistent uh throughout the year on his playing time and projects kind of slightly higher uh it's priced a little bit higher too but i don't think the price is going to be a huge deal on this slate um and then eric ebron could give you some of that leverage against uh um mark andrews that we talked about earlier as well so he might be the best option to uh, be able to actually keep up with uh, uh, Mark Andrews if if we really needed to. So I think I would uh, probably lean towards those two. But uh, if I if I'm running three lineups, you know I, I don't think it's a bad idea of having one one of the three in in each of those lineups. Okay. Um, hold on a second. I know Ebron was activated from the COVID nineteen list, right? So, Alex, wasn't Ebron activated? Yeah, everything I've seen is that he's playing. Yeah. All right. So, um, the and by the way, Deontay Johnson did a better job of not dropping footballs the other week. If that if, if he can maintain that, the guy is going to be outstanding. So, there it is. Two slates up, two slates down. We love you guys for hanging out with us every week, even as we work our way through the postseason. Um, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. It helps us out a ton with the YouTube algorithm and subscriptions as well. Comments in the comment section. If you're watching this after we've gone live, whether you love us, hate us, or you're indifferent, you got something to say, let us know. I read all of the comments and I always try to respond. So all of that stuff goes a long way for us, helps it so we can do better production quality, uh, better hosts and analysts and and everything just to better the product and continue to keep it free here at youtube.com. Alex, final thoughts before we head off for the day and into the weekend. I think uh, it should be a great weekend. Um, you don't have to get too crazy in NFL short slates, particularly three games. I mean, there's like so many different ways to put the pieces together that it's not very difficult to make a unique lineup. So don't go overboard with with trying to leave a ton of money on the table or something like that. I don't know if it's necessary. Um, but just finding like interesting ways to combine the players, uh, getting the stacking right doing stuff like allowing players versus defense, which other people might do. I think those are all some solid ways to kind of uh, get a small edge that adds up. Steve, I almost forgot. Top pivot, top fade, and our favorite bet of the week. I almost forgot because it doesn't feel like on the contrary. I'll start with you. Instead of asking for your final thoughts, who is your top fade and your top pivot of the week? Full disclosure here, top fade doesn't mean you're going to have none of them on a three-game slate, but more so that you intend on – or think you'll come in underweight on them. 
So for pretty much the 18th week of this season, oh, maybe minus one because of the buy. I think I'll go with the top fade of Derrick Henry. One time it has to work. Can't stop now. Uh, <laughs> Can't stop uh, now. Um, so we'll go with him. And then uh, the pivot, I will go with the uh, passing attack and say that uh, Corey Davis and or um, A.J. Brown. All right. What about you, Alex? Um, so the top fade, I think, uh, on Saturday, let's see here. Um, man, I'm, (laughs) I got, uh, sucked up trying to find the top, uh, bet here. Um, but my top fade is Dawson Knox. I feel like he's had some big games, which have bolstered people's opinions on him. He's one of the more popular tight ends on Saturday. Um, but I'm I'm worried, especially if Beasley plays. That earlier in the season, when Brown, Beasley, and Diggs were all healthy, he he had a very disappointing route counts. So, I uh, as the chalk tight end, I feel like he might be bad chalk. I'd rather take a shot on um, maybe. I guess Logan Thomas is the highest zone, but uh, just anyone other than that Knox, I feel like could be just as good. So like. Uh, Jack Doyle has been out on the field a lot the past few weeks. He hasn't really gotten targeted, so that, that's a bad pivot. My bad. Uh, maybe a Higby or Everett. They've both been used pretty decently over the past few weeks. Okay. I'm going to go Chris Carson as my top fade of the week. I assume off some, but 47% is a lot of ownership there. There are a lot of running backs on this slate, all of whom are pretty much underpriced. Uh, And, you know, Cam Akers gives you an $800 discount. He's 10% lower projected ownership in the same game. Neither have great matchups, but Akers, when healthy, has been the clear feature back. We don't have to worry about, okay, is Pete Carroll going to uh, give him the, the full workload for Carson? He might, you know, in the postseason, he definitely might. But there's no reason at all to believe that Cam Akers isn't going to get that in what's probably going to be a low-scoring game that has a lot of uh, rushing attempts. So give me Cam Akers there as the pivot off of the fade, Chris Carson. And our top bets, Alex, you said you've been working hard on it. Give me your top bet for this <laughs> wild card weekend. Remember, oddshopper.awesome.com. You can shop odds from all of these books. Check them all out there. You can set a watch list, notifications, to track all of your bets. It's amazing, and it's entirely free. Yeah, there's so many good ones. If you go to our player props tool, it's almost tough to pick one, but one that I'm seeing that really stands out is Ronald Jones. Uh, Receiving yards, the line is 10. Uh, He does have this finger issue, which I was a little concerned because he didn't really get uh, very many receptions in League 17. But he did run routes on 43% of Brady dropbacks, which um, did indicate they're intending to throw him the ball. Um, over the season, he's been targeted at a high rate, like you'd expect from a Brady, uh, from Brady to, to check it down. So, uh, with one more week to, to get healthy, I think I like that over on receiving. Beautiful. What do you got, Steve? I think I'm going to go with, um, the bears plus 10, uh, not, not to win straight up, but to cover the plus 10, um, at minus 109 on DraftKings, it looks like is the best bet on our odd shopper uh, page right now. So I think that's a uh, good place to, to put it at. Um, I, I think the uh, 
Bears are not quite likely to win the game outright, but I do think uh, there is a little bit of inconsistency right now with the the Saints. So Kamara hasn't been practicing recently. Michael Thomas hasn't played in quite a while. Drew Brees has been banged up for most of the year. Who knows? They're going to put Taysom Hill in, and he's going to you know do something crazy that you know may or may not work out. Uh, I, I think that also. The the Saints just seem to have a lot of bad luck in uh, the the playoffs, and wouldn't it be fitting for them the the first time that a number two seed is uh, uh, doesn't get the bye, they come in all banged up, and and then they would end up losing that game. So I don't foresee, like I said, I don't think that they're going to lose it outright, but I do think that uh, the Bears will keep it closer than what they could, and wouldn't be completely surprised if uh, if they do pull the upset. Okay, I'll close it out. I'm taking the under in Seattle and L.A. It's crazy to take a you know, under 42 and a half, but there's just so many pieces here that make sense for this game to be very low scoring from either Walford or, or Jared Goff, who's not at 100% injured throwing hand, to the fact that the Rams have a top three run defense and a top three pass defense, to the fact that the Seahawks offense has completely stalled out of late, but their defense has taken a huge step forward following the first half of the season. There's there's really a lot. Oh, and the fact that divisional games have a higher likelihood of going under as well. Everything points to the under. I know 42 and a half is not a lot of points, but if this ends up being 2017, uh, even like a 17-14 game, something similar to week 17 between the Cardinals and Rams, I would not be shocked. Give me the under, Rams and Seattle. And Steve, since we got Alex's final thoughts, I'll grab yours as well on this slate for Wild Card Weekend. Um, you know, I agree with all the stuff that Alex said. So that was a really great summary. Um, I, I do think that uh, it's not important to get overly off the board, but I do think it's also important not to get super chalky. So if you check out who our top owned players at each position are, make sure that your lineup doesn't have more than two of those of the five. So, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and including defense, make sure that you only have uh, two of those uh, top five in your lineup. Uh, if you get outside of that, then I think you're in pretty good shape and you can, uh, you know, be pretty, fairly chalky out, outside of that and make some pretty good lineups. All right. And one more thing. Follow him at Steve Buzzard. Follow him at Awesomeo DFS. Follow me at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D. Appreciate you guys. Good luck this weekend. And remember, we've got the NBA deeper dive coming up 4:45 today. Alex Baker and Adam Share. That's followed by Live Before Lock. That's going to be uh, Chris Bags and Terry McBride. And then tomorrow. Big time content, live before lock, multiple hours stream for NFL football wildcard weekend. Hopefully you'll join us. Catch you back here soon, guys.